Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. SoupX, the Startup Expo, North America's premier startup conference, is March 6th and 7th, 2017, in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Affordably priced, SoupX is a two-day international conference featuring workshops, panels, speeches, a $50,000 startup competition, and over 100 exhibitors. For more information, go to sup-x.org. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Andrea Piqui. He's the lead experience designer at Sony Mobile. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, you know, when we kind of met online a while ago, I, I think what you're doing is, is really interesting. And I kind of come from a design background myself. So I, I really kind of believe in the, the whole thing, obviously, um, the Bill Mile career around it. But maybe before we kind of get into um, kind of the design conversation and, and whatnot, let's get to know you a little bit better and kind of start off with where you grew up. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm an Italian designer. I grew up in Italy, Tuscany. And uh, so I'm just representing the mad in Italy <laughs> when it comes to design. It's good, though. I like to look at this way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just went to school in uh, in Pisa, if you know the Leaning Tower. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's that's the city. So, and uh, But first of all, first I just started to study psychology in the north of Italy. Okay. And I spent five years over there studying cognitive psychology because I really wanted to, yeah, I was dreaming by trying to understand people, you know, like a teenager, they don't know what to do. <laughs> it doesn't you know, know itself, so it just wanted to know more. Sure. That was the, the driver. But for someone that was born with a Commodore 64, it was quite hard to just give up on technology. So... Yeah, at the end, I just say, you know what, I love technology so much. So let's take the leap of faith and start a new career in computer science in PISA. Sure. And uh, yeah, so um, back then I didn't really know because we talk about 90s and something. So it's 95 and then uh, computer science around 2000. So we, I didn't really know what to do because especially in Italy, when you were talking about, well, I love computer science, I love psychology, the answer was, are you crazy? They don't really match. <laughs> they don't get on very well, right? Now it's a completely different story, but back then, yeah, it was, was different. So, um, yeah, I just started to connect the dots uh, at the end of the computer science career when the mobile started to take a little bit more form and we started to see the first smartphone and just start to realize that I really like to work in the mobile space. Sure. And uh, yeah, and that was the, the beginning. Then I moved to US and I just started to put together uh, everything at Stanford, study human computer interaction. Okay. So that was the beginning when I started to realize, okay, that's really, oh, they really go hand to hand. I mean, computer and, and, and psychology, and then after almost seven, eight years, I just completed some um, executive education at MIT in innovation and uh, design thinking. And that's what I'm trying to push now, really, is design thinking, not just for innovation, but generally speaking. Sure. 
No, that that makes total sense. And so, you know, obviously you've been to some um, big universities, um, kind of obviously in America and um, in Italy. Um, and you've also worked for a ton of really big um, global companies that people have heard of. Um, we don't have to cover them all, but do you maybe want to quickly mention some companies and kind of um, what you've kind of done there before we kind of get into the design topic that we we're going to talk about? Yeah, sure. And I was in U.S. around 2005, 2007. Sure. And uh, so... Um, that was the Stanford the, years or was that working? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the Stanford. The, four, the MIT was uh, one year ago just uh, Got you. to just close the, the circle. And uh, yeah, so I was there and uh, I was one of the few people that um, had this full... I don't want to say degree because I don't, I'm not a big believer in degree, but background, let's call it background. Sure. Full background in cognitive psychology and computer science. So um, I, I just started to work uh, for Google right. and uh, basically was when Google acquired Android, it was around 2005 and then the release in 2007, just right after the iPhone. Sure. So they put together a team to just try to understand this new form factor and they were particularly keen to just find someone with that com type of background, hybrid background. And uh, and then I just stay, sticked around in the valley for a while and worked for Apple and was uh, just right before the iPad. So the company was working on how to rethink uh, the mobile web for the new form factor. So sure. that's that, that was the focus. And then when I moved back to Europe, I, I just um, initially worked for Nokia in Finland. Yeah. And uh, we worked on what was the first smartwatch. Sure. And it was called, yeah, um, Lumia watch. <clears throat> and right in the, in the middle of the project, basically Nokia um, was acquired by, by Microsoft. Right. And so Microsoft acquired everything, included some patents and the other stuff. And then they rebranded the, the, the project. They call it um, Moonrock. You, if you make a research on Google, you will find something. Sure. But then they had the brilliant idea to just scale the project, saying something like, uh, smartwatch? Oh, it's never going to happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess there is a reason why they're Microsoft. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, just joking. <laughs> but, and, um, and then I moved to uh, Samsung Mobile in South Korea and I was part of the team that designed the S Health. Yeah. So uh, and also took care of the integration with uh, third party companies, fitness companies. Right. So that's yeah, pretty much. Then I mean moving back to Euros, so I worked also for big gambling company, but also Virgin Media. Yeah. It's quite uh, known as a brand. And in Europe we have an airline called it Ryanair. is the bigger airline in Europe and um, as a head of UX, we redesigned the entire ecosystem. So yeah, I had the chance to work for um, on some pretty exciting projects. I consider myself lucky, to be honest. Yeah, no, it, it's great, man. You've had a great career at some really big companies and you've worked on some really big pieces of software and apps that, you know, millions of people use on a daily basis right and 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 that's amazing right and you're right not a lot of people get to do that in their in their lifetime right never mind or even work at one of those companies <laughs> and you've worked at a bunch of them so i i think it's great but 
the, the main reason I wanted to have you on the show, and I, I obviously I wanted to cover your background a little bit because it validates kind sure. of what we're about to talk about, but um, you have a different approach to kind of how um, design should be brought into kind of companies. And so do you maybe want to kind of give a quick overview and then we'll dive a bit deeper into into that as we as we kind of get going in the conversation? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because uh, today here at Sony Mobile, we also had a um, design thinking introduction for for the employees. So it's really July day. Yeah, yeah. To talk about that. That's amazing. And yeah, I to be honest, first of all, I see I, when I look at design, design, it's for me, it's really everything. It's not just how I look some something looks sure so but design a company play a big role because um yeah i like to divide into three pillar and is i call it design thinking design doing and design culture okay. those are the three pillars that they can completely change how a company uh, well shape the products but also shape the life of the employees and uh, create a revenue model. It's basically everything filters everything because when you embrace the design thinking, you really change your scale of value. So everything really change. And uh, yeah, that that's a uh, that's yeah, pretty much. Uh, sure. Yeah. No, now that makes a lot of sense. So how do you kind of go about? approaching this with companies or you know even just kind of sounds like obviously sony's doing something about it so it, it's kind of a yeah. relatively new idea especially in big companies that are already kind of in a lot of cases people would say they are design focused so how do you kind yeah. of even bridge that gap and try to bring it into a company you know whether they're yeah. even starting out or maybe let's start out if they're starting out how do you kind of bring bring right. that into the organization and then we'll go into if you're an existing company, how you bring that into the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, I guess probably we should start looking at what design thinking really is. And okay. if you make a research, you will find, for example, that it's composed by a set of steps like empathy, diverge, converge, prototype, and test. But what those steps really are, are mindset, more than wrote in the stone steps that you have to follow. Got you. And so when you want to bring design thinking in, into a company, sometimes design thinking uh, gives the, the wrong impression because non-designers, they say, well, I'm not a designer, so it doesn't really work for myself. I like to call it problem-solving thinking because that's what it really yeah, is. It's sure. solving complex problem with uh, a, a strong focus on the user. So if we look at, if we look at these five steps, and we can straight away understand what we need because if we start for the first one, for example, is empathy, right? So we need to put in place all the infrastructure and uh, that we need in order to connect with the customer. So for example, do we have a um, usability lab? No, well, we need a usability lab, or at least we need a way to test and connect to the user. Uh, do we uh, have researchers as a part of the process or just as a single event that happened once in a while and nobody care about it. No, we don't have it. So, okay, we have to embed that type of connection into the process. And then if you see diverge, the second step, for example, okay, we have to diverge. What well, we need to diverge, okay, we need an area where we can express ourselves, when we can be visual, when we can, for example, um, feel free to just come up with as much idea as possible without fi feeling the, the chance of failure 
And, and then you have, for example, converge. And when you converge, you need, for example, a lot of different people for different, uh, from different parts of the organization. So do you have a multidisciplinary team that allows you to just have different point of view and bring different opinion on the table? No. So let's change the, the infrastructure or maybe the team composition. And then if you look at the prototype, okay, uh, do we prototype uh, what we... One in Lean, you ask their call it hypothesis. Do we prototype what we think is a good solution? And no. Well, let's integrate the prototype. And do we have a place when the people they can prototype? Do we have time and space to just prototype things? And then the last one, when we collect feedback, do we really iterate uh, on top of the feedback? Because think about it. A lot of people, they say that they work in an agile environment and you have a sprint, right? So... Mm -hmm. But what really define a sprint in the same way that what really designed the design, the design thinking uh, step or process or mindset is the feedback that you get at the end. Sure. So you have to be able to get that feedback and then go back and iterate on top of that feedback. What a lot of people they do, for example, in Agile, they just have a sprint and then they start another sprint and then they start another sprint. Let's say you, we have a four sprint at the end of the day, it's just like a waterfall, right? Yep, totally. Because you, you you don't get feedback, you don't iterate, you don't think, you don't reflect on what happened uh, or, uh, regarding your product, not the sprint retrospective. So you don't really work in an agile environment, you don't really work in a lean, uh, even less in a design thinking uh, model because that's what is really about. Sure. So. Before we kind of go any further, maybe just for people that don't know what Agile is, do you maybe want to give um, a description of that, especially kind of from the design side? Yeah. Uh, so Agile is just a methodology. If we look at the Agile manifesto, there is a list of principles that ideally we should follow uh, in order to just be Agile as the manifesto, uh, manifesto state. But... Uh, and then the, the Agile methodology is, uh, is like an umbrella and you have many different, the most famous is the Scrum, yeah. but you also have Kanban, uh, XP, and the other, I guess Scrum accounts for 80%, probably 90% of the, yeah, the Agile population. Sure. So the Agile is the way you deliver. Unfortunately for many teams, Agile is the only process they have for example they have a multidisciplinary team and they use agile so it means that they start the sprint and they also start to think about design and this doesn't really work because design is based on hypothesis yep. while agile is based on requirements yep. so you can't build requirements on top of hypothesis and from design perspective you can't uh, think about and elaborate and shape and test and push ideas into hypothesis inside the sprint because as as the sprint starts, you have the damn down uh, burn down chart. You start to count the points and the other stuff. So the priority is on optimization instead of creativity, and that's one of the pitfall. And maybe we can discuss it later, but that's why probably the, the the bigger one. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that was going to be kind of my next question to you is because like obviously, well, I, I've obviously I've worked in kind of the agile development from 
from kind of the design and uh, kind of the development side. Um, and I know um, designers especially can really struggle with kind of the agile sprint methodology because it's yeah. it's hard because you're right. You're you're basically making making these hypotheses that you need to test that you probably you need to iterate on. And like in theory, that sounds exactly what agile is, but it's a lot harder to to really do than it than it sounds. And and so I'm kind of curious to know what your thoughts are and how do designers kind of what's your best advice for designers to work in kind of the agile sprint kind of yeah. way to develop like software or projects or, or kind of anything really that you're using that methodology for yeah uh, first of all <clears throat> let me say that agile like design thinking uh, or linear acts is just a, uh, a methodology or a mindset so um changes uh, from company to company. It's not like a recipe that you can go through all the steps and apply in the very same way uh, in the company A, company B, or company C. So, I mean, say that. No, I, I think so, that's really good advice because you're right. I think you need to take the pieces that work for your team and your company and yeah. modify or add or, yeah, you're right. That's really yeah, good advice. Yeah. What you have to keep in mind is that if you talk about agile, is you know the, the principle. So just be agile, be ready to just change, adjust based on user feedback. But coming back to your question, so um, there is a many different way. For example, here in in Sony, we have a re um, research and innovation part that works ah, okay. combining design thinking, lean UX, and agile. Okay. And it means that in the initial phase, when you you still didn't even get the money for your concept, that you try to just elaborate an idea, you use a plain design thinking. So there is no deadline because you maybe you still not even have a team, right? Bunch of people working together, try to shape an idea to present, eventually get the money from the company. And so you have the design thinking. And then when it, it just reach the, um, the tipping point, that idea, you, you switch to the lean UX, uh, uh, methodology when you just have a bunch of hypotheses and then you test it, you get the feedback and you iterate. You still not have a very hard deadline. So once you are confident enough with the product, you switch to the uh, agile methodology that actually has been designed to optimize performance, to optimize the shipping. Got so you. my my suggestion is to well, innovation is just an edge case, but let's say a, a regular team, right? You have to find a way to just combine uh, the design thinking phase and the agile phase. What I have done in the past is to just shape the team that, in this way. So basically, we create a multidisciplinary team, and uh, we first say to everyone, everyone is accountable for design. Okay, yep. so there is no designer, developers, project manager, everyone. And that's, for example, is what uh, differs um, um, Apple from, from, from the others. Because in that company, you really feel that everyone is accountable for UX. Sure. In the very same way, okay, design is everybody's responsibility. So once you got that point, you divide the team into two states. So it means that you have a thinking phase. And then you then you have a delivery, and okay. it's not designing working on the thinking, and then maybe project manager, um, business analyst working on the delivery. Everyone is working on the thinking. So you are in a room, 
you are your war room and uh, you just attack a problem. So I don't know, it may be uh, how we reinvent the healthcare, but it may be also how can we fix uh, our checkout, whatever. It, it really, that doesn't really matter. But the entire team think about it. It means that there is no sprint, okay? Sure. What you run is a, a design sprint, for example, is an excellent example of that. You run a different type of sprint because you still want... Uh, deadlines. You don't want people start to fluffy around and losing. You want you want to create and provide focus to the people using deadline constraints to just uh, um, propel creativity. But at the same time, you have to put the right infrastructure and boundaries. They are the best for designing creativity. That's why you run the design sprint. And then let's say at the, des- at the end of the design sprint, you have something that you really like it. Okay, then the entire team switch to agile, okay? okay. It means that you, you never run sprints one after the other. Maybe if you are in the middle and you zoom in, you see a, a bunch of sprints. But if you start the product from scratch, it's not the case. Or maybe you, uh, I don't know, you, you just went through a bunch of sprints and then you see, okay, we have a problem with the checkout but we don't know what the problem is, okay? Let's stop the agile uh, sprint and start a design sprint. The entire team work, work on the, on the, inside the design sprint, and then at the end, when you fix the problem, or, or at least, as we used to say, you have enough confidence to move on into the agile, you start again the agile sprint. And that's it's what a lot of people, they don't have the courage to just don't run sprint after sprint after sprint, because maybe, and that leads us to what maybe the next point, they don't have designer in leadership position that they can understand this type of behavior, this type of different way of work. You have maybe the vice president of engineering and you have design reported to that guy, or maybe you have the design or the multidisciplinary team reported to the chief marketing. And they don't care about that. They don't understand. They don't even care about understanding because they're not stupid. They just don't want to understand. And the reason because they are rewarded by different schemes. Sure. Nobody like a chief marketing is rewarded about UX. And that's when you need a chief design officer. because And then you put everything behind that person that can reward the people for experience and just allows everyone to, to, to just work in a different way. Sure. No, I know that, I'm jumping for one to another. Sorry about that, but <laughs> no, no, it's good, man. I, I I like it. I I think it makes a lot of sense, and I've found a lot of success with kind of what you just outlined as well. Like I I'm a really big believer, like yourself, where you get as many people from a bunch of different verticals all in a room and you argue it out. And sometimes, you know, you're right. Like based on like timeline and budget, and you know, you need to decide what works from kind of obviously the design user side, but you also need to bring in the other verticals you know, from say business or sales or whatever, and even the development and make sure that what you guys are proposing on the design side can be actually built in the time allotted and in the, you know, technology you're using. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And the thing is, nothing is more aggravating to a developer when they just get handed a bunch of, you know, Photoshop files or sketch files or some other, you know, prototype or or whatever, it doesn't really matter. That's not buildable. And they're expected to build it in, 
you know, a period of time, right? That's unrealistic. Yep. But if you get them in when you're kind of wireframing on a whiteboard or prototyping early on, you know, you get everybody on the same page as quick as possible and you're going to save a lot of time down down the road. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you mentioned a chief design officer. Um, what is that for somebody, for people that don't know? And why do you think every company should either have one or maybe delegate somebody to be that part-time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a chief design officer is basically someone, in practice, is someone that can bring uh, can bring design uh, at the most important table in the company. So if you think about a room with a CEO and then you have the chief marketing, the chief financial, the, the chief operation, that person is the chief design is the one that um, shows how to take and make a design-driven decision. So it's the the, advo- the user's advocate, probably in, in, in two words, and sure. brings the, it's just, yeah, like a small lawyer defending the user rights, and uh, yeah, if you want to put it in a fantasy way, but that's, a, that's the person that also is accountable for the product because it's very close to like a chief product officer, but with the, strong design mindset sure now you have in some company you have a good some people they they act like chief product officer and they are responsible for the product but i believe that in the next five ten years we will see a lot of chief designers totally and instead of, yeah instead of because there is a lot of designers they start to study business and that's part of maybe we can talk at the end but that's part of what are our responsibility as a designer if we look at the next five years that we can just postpone a little bit for the end but and yeah the chief designer it's yeah the man in charge of the design and the man in charge of uh, pushing design in every important decision in the company at any level every time that the ceo have to take to make or take a decision the chief design is there and say, look, that's not the right thing for the user. That's not the right thing for the product. Instead of just see people cutting corner based on financial, I don't know, reason or maybe operational reason. So I, I believe that it's something that's very much needed. No, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, I, I think you're, we're still a few years out. You're starting to see companies, you know, that didn't have a designer on staff at all starting to hire a UX person or, or a designer or kind of both. Um, the one thing, though, that I'm curious is, in your opinion, what's the difference between a creative director and a chief design officer, or is there? Oh, any? well, I can tell you, um, based on my past experience, uh, the creative director was someone that, especially in the company where I worked for, was someone that came from. Uh, I don't want to say the print sure uh, type of the game side of the game. Um, very more art and print design than uh, UX, UI. Uh, that's what happened in the company that I work for. So, but I know that in many companies they have a creative director that actually is in charge of UX, UI, and all the rest. I guess at the end of the day, it's just semantic. And sure. but it's not like a chief design officer. So it's I I see the creative director way below. Because I guess on top of the creative director, then you have eventually vice president 
and then hopefully the chief design officer. Sure. No, that that makes a lot of sense, and and that's kind of what I figured you'd say. But I was curious to get your kind of thoughts on that. And I think <laughs> I think you're right, though, right? Like, we're, this is kind of a new new space um, that I think will be very important, and it should be very important because a lot of the big companies uh, like Google and Apple have these people, right? And yeah, yeah. they're you know, it's only a matter of time. If if you want to have really good user focused apps, you need these people that can yeah. can literally argue with the other top executives in the yeah. firm to say like why this stuff's important, right? And when I say yeah. argue, I don't necessarily mean that in a negative context. I just mean you need to argue for why design is super important. And sometimes those conversations get heated. Sometimes they don't. But I think at the end of the day, you want everybody from all the different sides to have an equal say that they can argue their side and you guys can all kind of compromise and come to a, a, a decent, you know, kind of, um, you know, version one. And everybody needs to think about the user in mind, because if there's no yeah. users of, or, or people that buy the product, everybody goes home, right? Yeah, exactly. As you said, what you want is just someone that is able to have a peer-to-peer -peer conversation because when you t when you argue with uh, I don't know a chief or an officer and you are just the head of he always has the power to just shut you down right totally so it's uh, you, you need to be able to say no no uh, that's not right so we are not going to do that and if you ask me I, I will see the chief design even I mean, more important like for example in Apple I don't believe that the chief marketing is more important than Johnny I, right? Yeah, yeah, so, totally. Well, I, are, yeah. Are, that's yeah, a perfect example, the though. That's, the, yeah. that's like the perfect example, right? It was like Steve Jobs, Johnny Ive. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that, now it's that's like Tim like, Cook, Johnny Ive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. Um, but it, that's, that's the most important reason because otherwise, let's be honest, when you want to um, bring design thinking to a company, you can start from the bottom. You can start just from the top. You have to attack from the top or from the bottom, right? Sure. So, and you need that guy at the top to to just you know have the back of the people down. And because when you start to talk about like we just said, oh, we can't run a bunch of sprint one after the other. But if you are a designer, even if, even if you are the head of or the director, you you don't have the power to change how an entire company works. So you need someone with that type of power, right? Sure. In our example, it's an officer. So uh, yeah, and to be honest, without that role, you can't really be design driven. Because if you, even if you think about it, and that's nice because you, you can find a lot of people that say, oh, design is really at the core of our company. Right, okay. Uh, let me look at you, um, at your leadership uh, team, right? So you have a chief marketing, chief financial, blah, blah, blah. But you believe in design, but you don't believe enough in design to have a guy at that level. So sure. are you lying to me or, or you are just plain stupid? So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so sure. yeah, that, that sometimes is the case, right? When they, maybe they call you for a job. Oh, do you want to get that job? Um, because it's, this company is crazy about design. Okay, let's talk about the chief design officer position. No, 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 no. It's just a head off. Okay, let's start as head off and maybe progress into a chief designer. No, 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 no. You are going to report to the chief marketing, whatever. 
So did you just say that design is the, more, is the most important thing? So why we let marketing control the design? So there is a lot of confusion out there, but we will get there. <laughs> we will get. No, and, and that's partly why I wanted to have you on the show, right? Is we need to have these conversations, right? And we need to have, we need to yeah. put it out there into the world. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I am curious to get your thoughts on what's your what's your take on designers expected to code or at least understand enough, maybe that they don't actually do the actual coding, but they know enough about how to code um, to actually do design? Or do you think it's not yeah. that important? No, that that's a really... Um... I, I yeah, know it's like kind of a topic. political, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I, I am curious to know your take on it. Yeah, I'm a little bit drastic on that side. I'll, I'd say that designer don't, don't, don't code, don't code. And, uh, and the reason is a designer have to know, have to have a great understanding of technology because you can't really design if you don't understand technology, right? And uh, this means, or it may mean pushing that knowledge very, very deep, very deep down to the stack of technology. Like, oh, I understand all the layers, how a system works, all the calls, the API, things like that. But when it comes to, to coding, that's a completely different story. So I will, I will give you two different reasons. The first one is I don't think Actually, I strongly believe that the role of a designer is not to code. The but role of a but designer. But should they understand how to code? Not necessarily that they actually code, but like understand kind of just for example, like how Android works or how iOS works or even how like HTML and CSS works. Even if they never actually write it, like you know that they've had some sort of training in it. Do do you believe in that or no? Yeah, I believe in that. I okay. believe in that okay. because. Because otherwise you can't have not a peer conversation, but yeah. at least you can't stand a conversation with the guys around you. Totally. Uh, you you use the you don't have the 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 dictionary, the vocabulary that you need to just have that type of conversation. Yeah, but, I hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, I, yeah, we're in the same boat on this. Like, I I hundred percent agree with you. And I I figured asking you that question, this was going to be your answer. Yeah. But I was I was curious <laughs> because yeah, no, I, yeah. I think like and I. Like, I think we're having the wrong, we're arguing the wrong thing when people say, like, should designers code? It's like, well, no, but you need to understand so you can have a conversation with them. And when they say, like, yeah. well, when we pull that data from the database, for example, you can't lay it out like that. Like, it's just not possible. So, like, don't yeah. do the design like that, right? And if you don't understand that, yeah. you can't design for the medium. The other thing that I'm curious about is I find, at least in my experience, is a lot of designers don't play with the other platform. Like a lot of designers, for, for example, um, are maybe just use an iPhone and they've never actually played with an Android device. And it's like, it doesn't really matter which OS you prefer. You need to understand the other OS because if you're doing design for it, you need to understand it. They're totally different. They operate totally different. Um, have you found that? Do you do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I get well. I believe that it should be like a given, right? As a designer, you should you should be curious about how the other people uh, solved the same problem. That's totally. how you look at this. Yeah, thing. that's a For good example, way of putting it. Actually, that's a really good yeah. way of putting it. 
Yeah, so it's for example here at Sony, we work with Google and we use Android. Sure. So you may have the luxury to just ignore iOS because, well, you don't really know to understand oh, what is a tabbar, what is, I don't know, a knowledge view or whatever, a navigation bar we call, because we call it in a different way. But it helps you to just have the bigger picture, right? And sure. to have that type of cross-pollination that actually move the entire community forward. It's not just for yourself because you, you can get a better person, a better designer probably, not a person. But definitely a better designer. Yeah, so I'm totally with you. You, you, you should at least to have a good understanding of, yeah, about uh, the, the other platform for sure. Sure. So I'm curious then, and are, are you an Android guy or are you an iOS guy? I know you design Android all day long. But... <laughs> yeah, um, should I say that? Well, to be 100% no, 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 honest no. with you, I'm an Android guy, but I have an iPad and I have an iPhone. So... Yeah, uh, well, as you can imagine, I play with both. But of course, what I, what I can say, um, well, probably in the beginning, I was an Apple guy. Sure. And I I really love the Apple as a brand, yep. and I I respect. And then I, I really care about that point. So maybe we can come back to this point later because it really have to do with design. But I'm more probably more an Apple guy. I have a MacBook, I have an iPhone. I also have you know my Xperia phone. And other Android phone, but if I have to pick one, I'd say probably Apple because of the ecosystem. Sure. Even if I'm quite mad uh, um, at Apple because Google created material design, sure. and that's brilliant. In 2014, in 14 yep. is brilliant. So I'm I'm so mad that Apple didn't create its own digital design language. Sure. That sometimes, I'm, yeah, uh, it's something that I can really stand. Because in the beginning, if you remember, we had the iOS application. They, they have some, some type of guidelines. Uh, and the Android was a completely mess, yeah, right? Yeah. Someone copied and, uh, iOS. Someone else come up with web design pattern. It was terrible. But now that you have the material design, like it or not, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. That's not the point but you have a language. Yeah, so yeah. they started to align everyone on top of that language. And I'm, I'm quite mad that Apple, they, they don't have a digital design. So if you design for, for Apple, you go on the online guidelines. They're quite embarrassing, to be honest. <laughs> sure, so I would you, agree you with you, but yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's what I would like to see. Like, call it whatever you wanted, but formalize a language uh, or digital language because they are very strong on the industrial design. We know that we have sure. Johnny Hype, but yeah, yeah. the digitally it starts to look a little bit weak now that we have a material design and we see how strong the language uh, now is in, across all the platform. And so it's yeah, but I'm still um, no, I 100% agree probably. with you. Like <laughs> yeah, iOS still feels a little wireframey to me. To be 100% honest with you, and I I do love the fact to your point where you know material design. Google figured out how to basically build a digital design language across all platforms and screen sizes, right? And and yeah, there's yeah. some things where you're just like, oh, why'd they do that? But, you know, they really tried to do that, you know, whether you're designing for a desktop, tablet, or phone, whether it's Android, iOS, or in the browser, they have a consistent thing. Is it always consistent? No, like people always complain. No, yeah. Chrome <laughs> OS looks 
totally different, especially if you're running Android apps inside Chrome OS. But at least they're they're working on it and they're moving forward. Where and into Apple, they haven't really moved anything outside of their platforms onto yeah. other platforms and even into the web, right? And it, it's it's interesting. And I, I yeah, I, I agree. So it, it's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see how this thing plays out. But I would I hope Apple moves kind of a little bit more um, outside their platforms and maybe into the, you know, kind of digital design space more. I, I'd like to see that personally. And yeah, I, I'm and I'm, I'm a, I use a Mac too, right? And I have a Windows box. So I play with this stuff all the time too. So you know, I, I feel like I can at least give my opinion. Whether people agree with it or not is a whole yeah. other thing, right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't see it's going to well, never happen, I, I don't think, because it's really industrial design driven, Apple. Sure, sure. So if they didn't come up with something after almost 10 years, uh, I don't think it's going to happen soon. But who knows? <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. So I'm kind of curious... Um, we kind of covered a little bit earlier that I think um, the kind of chief design oper- officer is kind yeah. of years out. Um, is there anything that you think people can do if they're designers in organizations or companies to kind of maybe at least start the conversation with kind of the higher levels and the higher ups about maybe starting to think about this? And w- and we, which goal of injecting design thinking or yeah yeah well it's it's quite a big topic and uh, yeah first of all they should appoint uh, chief design that would be my first if I, I if i'm a ceo of a company i will appoint a chief design officer that's as a first step not even chief financial because really design is so important but you need that top level backup and and then you you can start to work on many different initiatives for example something that um you you want to work is to just show to the people that the mindset works for them even if they work in uh, in marketing department even if they work in the software uh department so what we for example we did in the past was like uh, organize design tone instead of hackathon and when we just put a big problem or fairly big problem and then we run uh, a design sprint, I don't know, 10 hours or maybe 12 hours. You can make it in a funny way, but basically it involves people from marketing and maybe solve one of their problems using the design thing. That's something that uh, can um, show them that they, they can get a lot of benefits from switching because let me say that if you think, if you look at design thinking, right, mm-hmm. it's not the, the only way of thinking. You have at least three major ways of thinking. One is the engineering. The other one is the business thinking. And then you have the design thinking. So what are the differences? If we, if we look at the engineering thinking, we can say that the engineering thinking uh, solves its way through because what it does is to uh, frame a problem isolate all the variables, and then combine all those variables uh, into an equation and then solves the equation. So from that point of view, you can understand that the engineering thinking is very, very powerful when you have a clear picture of the problem. And that's why we say agile is based on requirements, because when you know what is the 
the solution, you can focus on the delivery, right? And be very fast. Sure. So engineering thinking is strong when you have a problem that is clear in every aspect. And then you have the business thinking that that it's when you have a lot of different solution, you pick one solution and then you optimize that solution. So that's why we say that the business thinking optimize its way forward. So what you need to um, uh, to use the, the, the business thinking, you need solution, right? Sure. But if you don't have those solution, that type of thinking doesn't really work. In the very same way, that when you have a foggy problems, the engineering thinking fails because it's not able to isolate all the variables. So, and if you think about it, what happens when you just deliver a design and the, the developer uh, doesn't have a clear idea about everything? Just come back to you and say, oh, Oh, I don't understand that. I don't understand that because it don't want to move on if it doesn't have a clear picture. So, and then we have the design thinking that we say that prototypes its way through. So, with this type of approach, you 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 can see that that's the perfect one when you have a lot of ambiguity. For example, when we talk about innovation, because maybe we just walk in an uncharted territory. There is no point of reference. There is no use case. There is no past example. We can't just copy someone else. We learn as we go. So in that scenario, the, the prototyping your way through is the best way because you prototype, you learn, you tweak, and you move on. So that's why a lot of people, they fail because they apply the other two business or, or the engineering type of thinking to the innovation or even if it's not in the innovation side of the game, they apply to problems. They, they, they are foggy, right? Like sure. we say the cart, for, for example, we, we have a 20% dropout in, at that stage of our user journey, right? Do we sure. know why? No, we don't know. So we can't just run a sprint and doing something because we don't know the problem. And that's why the design thinking is powerful because nowadays we complex system and a lot of innovation is going on most of the time, we don't know uh, what is going to happen tomorrow. We don't know how the landscape is going to change in the next days uh, or months. And that's why that, the design thinking can be powerful and also adopted uh, across the entire company. Because even if you, you have your problem really clear, crystal picture of everything, Come on, in 2016, in, in, in one year, the entire landscape will, will change. Totally. So even in that case, when it's wrote in the stone, yes, today, but what's about tomorrow, next month, three months? So sure. even in that case, be able to switch to design thinking will bring more benefits than, than downside. Oh, I 100% agree with you. So maybe let's close the show with mentioning what design means to you. Oh, yeah, that's a great question. And, uh, well, um, design for me, it's, uh, it's really a thought that you have and you just elaborate inside your mind and eventually uh, became a conversation that you have with the people around you. So, and that's really reframe the way we, we can look at the design because design... To me, honestly, it's really a conversation. It's not 
uh, the activity that you that you have like sketching or maybe pushing the pixel. That's what you do to deliver the idea. But if you look at the design as a problem solving process, design is really a conversation. That's what I say to all the guys in my team. Guys, design is a conversation. And it's important that we, we just keep in mind these things because can shape everything we do. Because think about it. If, for example, if you have the team and the team is not allocated together, if we look at design as a conversation, we say that's wrong because we have to talk, right? We have to have that type of uh, interaction. Sure. In the very same way, if you say, what's about delivering the wireframe just over the fence? You say, no, that's not good because design is a conversation. So we have to have different type of ceremonies because we have to talk. And that's why I really, I really like that type of definition because can really shape um, how you, how you, you, you live your life as a designer in, in from big detail to small detail. Yeah, I really believe it's just a conversation. Yeah. Sure. No, I, I think that's great. Sadly, we're out of time, so maybe let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself online. Yeah. Sure. So um, you, they can go on my website. It's andreapicchi.it, like Italy. Okay. On they, they can look up for myself on LinkedIn. Those are the two major. And I also have Beyonce and the other, you know, online research, but they're not, they're not so important. So LinkedIn, andreapicchi.it. And if they, they want to connect with myself, hang out. If they are here now in Sweden, but quite soon in London, I'd be happy to just grab a coffee and talk about design. Perfect, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your uh, day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you, and have a good rest of your day. Yeah, sure, Kevin. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. Thanks again for doing it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Okay, bye, 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 Kevin. Bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them in the future.